You're listening to the Blended Family Podcast, a weekly show with a strong focus on strategies and methods to help your family thrive. Blended families face many difficulties and challenges, which can sometimes drive families apart. The goal of this podcast is to help your blended family grow together through these challenges to create the peaceful and loving home you desire. Here is your host, Melissa. You are joining me for episode 218 of the Blended Family Podcast. I hope you're all doing well. It's been a couple of weeks since I've been here. I'm still struggling a little bit with my pain. I am getting back to work and getting back to the swing of things, but all of my old pain is still there, so it's very disheartening, and I have some good days and some bad. Uh, They said it's going to take a few months, so I'm just trying to bear with it. It's been a little bit of a tough couple of weeks here for a lot of reasons. I think I was telling you guys about my daughters, how one of them has a heart condition and the other one we weren't really sure yet. Well, we just found out she was finally diagnosed. She had some stomach lining that I guess she was born with that had grown up into her esophagus. So now that we have that under control, we have her on medication. She's doing a little bit better. Uh, In other news, one of our very own dear members of our blended family community, this is somebody that actually is local to me. She's somebody that I've known for many, many years, a very close friend of mine. Her, well, she had a loss, very, very bad loss this week. Her daughter passed away. She was only 19 years old, and this is somebody that my family loves very much. Uh, We love her. We love her daughter. We love her whole family. So... I'm not going to mention any names uh, to protect her privacy, but please, all of my blended families, please send lots of love and light and prayer to this very dear family who just suffered the most unimaginable loss that any one of us can ever imagine. So please send her well wishes. It's definitely, it's hard. And what's more hard is just watching another parent hurt. I just... It's very, very difficult, and it could be any one of us. So please, please keep her in your thoughts and your prayers. In other news, we have this coronavirus craziness. If you are alive on any part of the planet right now, I'm sure you've heard of the coronavirus, and I'm trying to stay very kind of not getting crazy and feeding into the chaos that the news is feeding us, but I know that it's something that we do need to worry about just as much as we have to worry about the flu. So uh, I guess just keep washing your hands and teach your kids to wash their hands because we all know that they don't wash their hands very much. But there's really nothing else that any of us can do about all of this. So just try to hang in there and not let yourselves or your family get crazy. And I know there's a lot of worried kids. Uh, My kids are a little bit older, but Some of the young elementary school kids are getting really fearful and anxious about the coronavirus. So you just need to talk to them and calm their fears because they're hearing things at school. And we don't want a situation of mass chaos, which is kind of what's going on. So I think it's our job as parents to kind of just calm their fears a little bit and make sure that we stay present and calm so that we can be present and calm for them. So 
we've got two new podcast reviews that I would like to read to you guys. The first one says, I've always wanted to listen to a podcast that talks about blended family, never actually searched for one, until I hit a rough patch in my life and I felt the urge I should listen to a podcast. I googled for a good podcast and I came across Blended Family Podcast, the best choice I made. I binge listen and I've gained all this new information that I never knew. I'm putting all this information into perspective and seeing things in a different way, all because of the Blended Family Podcast. Thank you so much. Melissa, well, thank you so much. It looks like R. Ortiz15 from the U.S., thank you so much for that wonderful review. I very much appreciate it. And the second one comes from M. Almazan from the U.S. also. I've been married now and part of a blended family for seven years, and it hasn't been the easiest. This podcast has episodes that have helped me in so many ways. I've even shared it with my stepson's bio mom and hope we can all continue to progress and grow as a blended family for the sake and well-being of our children. Love, love, love this podcast. Well, thank you so much and thank you for sharing it. That is really my purpose to share this as much as we possibly can so that I can reach as many families as possible. I very much appreciate all of your reviews and ratings as well as they help me move up the ranks in iTunes so that other people can find the show. So it's really, really helpful. There's other things that we have in the works coming your way soon. I've got projects that are coming with some other listeners. They're working on some things with me. There's going to be some great stuff, so hang in there, working behind the scenes to make some really good content for you guys. The free financial coaching, I wanted to remind you, I know a lot of people have reached out and said, what do you mean it's free? Yes, it is completely free for the financial coaching. That is important to us. It is something we are trying to push out across the masses. We think that everybody really needs to know some of this information because I know that if you know the information, it's going to benefit you and your family. In addition to financial coaching, we also do blended family coaching and relationship coaching. That is not free, but you can go ahead and schedule all of those by going to blendedfamilypodcast.com slash schedule. You'll see that we have different prices for different packages with the coaching. You'll also see there the free financial coaching as well as if you wanted to schedule just a mini session with me just to see if we are compatible and if you want to work with me in any capacity at all. Keep in mind that I am still doing some co-host interviews. We were going to have one of those for you today. So if you think that you might want to come on and just have a conversation with me one day, you can also schedule at that same link. Just sign up for the mini session there. We'll have a quick chat, see what things will be like in our session, and we'll go from there. So I really love talking to all of you. And last for the newsletter, the monthly newsletter, it's kind of turned into a bi-monthly newsletter lately just because I haven't been well, but I'm hoping to get back out the monthly. And just keep in mind that any kind of new news, like when we roll out any of these new products, ebooks, courses, any of that, the newsletter subscribers are going to hear that first. So make sure that you subscribe. And the link for that is blendedfamilypodcast.com slash subscribe. I know I've mentioned lots of links don't worry, you can find all of them in the show notes. So I'd love for you to enjoy this episode with my co-host Sandy. We did record this 
all the way back last June. So Sandy, thank you for your patience as I roll out my backlog of interviews. I hope that you all enjoy this show and I'll be back soon with another one. So glad you're all joining me today for this co-hosting episode. I've got Sandy from New York, and she's got a very large blended family, which I'm going to let her tell you about. Welcome to the show, Sandy. Hi, Melissa. Thank you for having me. Yes, of course. So you've got eight children. So why don't you give us a little bit of a breakdown? That is a large blended family. So tell us a little bit about your family and the kids. So my husband and I have eight kids together. I came into the relationship with three daughters and he came into the relationship with five children, two sons and three daughters. Um, So yes, it's a very, very big blended family and keeps us very busy as well. Um, We have an interesting little bit of a history. We were together when we were in our very, very young 20s and separated and went on and had separate lives and um, found each other again. Which is amazing. So I want you to talk a little bit more about that because that doesn't always happen. So tell us how that came to be. So um, when we separated early on was because we were, you know, young, very young and um, separated. And we actually got married a Saturday apart from each other, not knowing it. Um, Actually, our marriages ended a Saturday apart, not knowing it. And over the years, we crossed paths slightly just because we lived in um, uh, neighborhoods that were near each other. And um, so we would, I think, maybe four times over the 19 years that I was, that I was married and he was married that we saw each other. And then um, my marriage ended on my husband's uh, doing. And as I was starting to deal with that, got a message from my present husband who was just saying he had been thinking about me and that kind of thing. I was like, that's weird. (laughs) And then um, come to find out that his marriage had just ended as well. So we kind of went through the separation together a little bit and the divorce process just kind of as friends at first. And then it, it went from there. Well, it definitely sounds like you two are meant to be, and uh, it's pretty cool how that happened, how you kind of came back around. And so, so you didn't have any kids together previously. No. Yeah. No. So, so wow. And so what was it like? I mean, I'm, I think that it's really interesting when you probably told the kids, like, did you have old pictures that you were able to pull out? We do. Yeah. And we actually, when we got married, we had a picture of us together from when we were younger at the, you know, like on the table with the seat assignment thing, wow. um, which was kind of funny. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny to see the kids are like a little weirded out by it, I think, but, um, but they're, they've come used to it now. Yeah. Well, and they know it's not, I mean, it wasn't an affair or anything like no, that. No, it was just natural all. coming apart and natural coming together. And I just think that it's really, really neat. Uh, what did the exes say about it? Did they have anything to say about that? Um, my ex, because it was his choice to end the marriage was a little bit more like, well, I'm glad you have someone to talk to about it, you know, kind of thing. Um, I think his ex was a little bit, took it a little harder at first, even that we were talking because she knew that that we had been together. So she thought it was, you know, she didn't appreciate it, I guess so much, but um, it it literally started just as us talking and kind of, a familiar person, a shoulder to lean on, you know, kind of conversation. And it it was definitely not any, you know, malicious thing at all. Yeah, of course. But, um, but 
but yeah, she certainly, that probably didn't help (laughs) her at all. Well, and you know, you guys know that you didn't do anything wrong and it's okay. And people are going to think what they're going to think. I actually happen to think it's a beautiful story. Um, And I think, well, it's interesting. So the kids were kind of older when you guys got together uh, for the second time. And so what was it like? Did you have the most pushback from the older kids or the younger kids at that time? I would say for my girls, it was... I wouldn't say one was worse necessarily than the other. I think for them, it was just something kind of that we went through and we went through some hard times for a little while and then it started to get better. Um, For him, I think his oldest was fine. His youngest were fine. It was the ones kind of in the middle that were a little leery because I think they were a little bit afraid of what mom would say, you know, if they went home and knew that I had been around, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. That's always, always difficult. And I definitely want to get into your story a little bit because we have talked previously. And I do know that um, your husband's ex did kind of, well, she was a little bit difficult in that there was some parental alienation going on. And I want you to talk about that because parental alienation is something that is going on in many, many, many divorce households. And it varies, right? So some people are, are having a very light case of it and some people is very, very toxic. And I know that it's on a spectrum and there's a lot of people that don't even know that it's happening. They don't even know that it's a thing, that it has a name. Exactly. And so I want you to talk about it a little bit, your journey with it and, and tell us about how you've been handling all of that. You know, it's funny that you say that because um, as I told you, I'm very... Um, faithful listener to your podcast. I've heard every episode. I'm a member of the Facebook group and I didn't know it had a name until your episode with um, the author of the book about parent alienation. And I was like, my God, that's a thing. That's a real thing. It has a name. Like this is exactly, and as I'm listening to her talk, I'm like, this is what's happening to us and to my husband specifically. And it was really, really difficult. Um, he left the marriage because it, it was not a pleasant place to be. And he thought he'd be able to wait it out till at least the youngest kid got to 18, but he couldn't do it anymore. And he felt really terrible about that. He was kind of the barrier between her and, and the anger and the mood swings and stuff between her and the kids. Um, so that was really hard for him to walk away from that as a protector and, he, it became this serious alienation problem. Um, Kids were afraid to come over because they were afraid to say to her that they had been at our house or been with him at at all, even without me there. Um, It was, it caused him to not have a relationship with one of his daughters for quite a while until she went abroad and kind of separated from that situation a little bit. And has trickled down a little bit to other kids too. And um, there was even one time that his son was over and he had left something at our house or something. And I texted him to let him know that it got left there. And she just blew up his phone, my phone, my husband's phone about me communicating with him at all. And, um, you know, I apologized to him. I said, I'm really sorry that that happened. And he said, I don't know what happened. I just said, you texted me and she just 
you know, freaked out or whatever he said, I don't remember, but it just really made it very, very difficult for us to spend time with the kids, for them to feel safe being here and, um, you know, to keep that relationship going. Yeah. And for what you're telling me, it sounds like she already had a toxic personality before the divorce, right? And so um, she was already a little bit, uh, would you say she was abusive towards the kids? You know, it was more of that her um, stability, I think, might be a little off. You know, it would be the screaming session from obviously not having been there from what I've heard, a screaming thing. And then two minutes later, like, oh, look at this funny thing on Facebook, you know? And it was kind of like, wait, you just screamed at me for 10 minutes about not having the right shoes or something, you know? And it was kind of like that kind of environment. Yeah. Well, you know, that almost sounds um, like a touch of mental illness could be sometimes there's some bipolar right. um, or just some ups and downs in, in, in people. And definitely sounds like I, I know some people like that. And so yeah. I, I know what that looks like. And that is really, really toxic for children because they don't know what to expect. And it is so, so unstable, but yet that is their mother. And so she sounds, you know, mothers like that are very manipulative and they know how to get the kids to see things their way. They know how to manipulate their thoughts, uh, especially when they're a little bit younger, you know, as kids get older and they start to see things a little bit more clearly, they start to see, okay, mom, mom isn't right. Or dad isn't right. You know, but Sometimes when they're young, they really can't help it. And, you, you know, you grow up to think that you trust your parents, right? We're, we're supposed to trust what our parents say is right and true. And so that must have been really, really difficult for them. And yes. so did that start happening, the alienation, did that start happening immediately as soon as the divorce took place? Immediately. Immediately as soon as the separation, as soon as he said that he was leaving, um, he, you know, had left the house and... Um, it, but like from there it started for sure. So let me ask you this, because this, this is where the real challenge comes in is how do we handle it? Because I know that we can't always do anything about the parent that is doing the alienation, right? We have no control over what they're saying and doing. And that's really, really frustrating. All we can control is how we react to the situation. So what were you guys doing as damage control over there? So we kind of, it, it was pretty like it was pretty bad in the beginning. She wrote a letter to my job. She wrote a letter to his job. She, um, you know, reached out to people in the community trying to um, say things and do things. And um, what we wound up kind of having to do it was harder for me, I think, than for my husband because you know he know, knew her better at the time, but he like would just disengage if. If, you know, he always said like he would get a text and then three texts later would actually be what the actual agenda was kind of a thing. And I would be like, how are you not answering that? How are you not saying something? And he's like, I, I can't engage. If I do, it will go on all night long. And yes. he, that's what he would do. He would just completely just like put the phone away, turn it off, not look at it kind of thing. And it's hard because they push and push because they want that reaction out of you. That's all they're looking for. So that was very, very smart for him to react. But let me ask you this. How were the kids reacting to it? Because it's hard to teach them how to disengage. That's their mom. They can't really disengage. You know, otherwise they get guilt from that parent. If they try to not respond or try to not get involved in it, that parent will guilt them and make them feel horrible. So how were the kids able to handle it? 
So I think that his oldest daughter at first, when everything happened, she was, you know, very understanding. She would, she was like one of the first ones that would come around us together when we were first together. And when he, I remember him telling me he went to lunch with, with the oldest daughter and the next oldest daughter. And the second one was saying, you know, like, I, I you know, I can't do it. And the oldest one was like, you have to just just do it and don't tell mom you're doing this or do this and tell her it doesn't matter. You're going to do it anyway. Cause that's what I had to do. I'd say, I don't care. I'm going to see dad if you like it or not kind of thing, which was hard for her at first until she went abroad. And then she kind of was able to separate. She matured so much. And you know, she's now she's over, whenever she's home, she's over a lot and she, we have a great relationship with her now, but it was really hard for them. And I know it was, and I felt for them so much because their mom how do you say something is wrong you know with her or with the situation and how it's not being handled appropriately but you know it's it's, almost impossible right because if they if they try you know they were going to get pushed back and kids don't want to be in the middle how did you deal with it as a stepmom for these kids you you love them and you're helping raise them how were you able to help them through it or did you just step back and not get involved at all I kind of stepped back. Um, it was it was difficult though. Because, like I remember one occasion that my daughters all danced growing up, and their dance recital was ending at like two o'clock on a Sunday, and it happened to be held at the high school of the same field that my youngest stepson was playing football at, like you know, ten years old or whatever he was. And because my husband and I met at that field, literally on the same campus, to leave there, drop off our steps, my stepson, and then head up to an event or something, she found out that I had been there and like blew up my phone, his phone. Like I'm like I didn't even stay there. Like I was there for five minutes, you know. And it was that was really hard. So it kind of pushed me to kind of hang back a little bit and try not to get involved and not engage. I just kind of took my husband's. Uh, model, I guess, and kind of went with that. And, you know, as the kids are getting older, we can have a different kind of relationship. Yeah. So is this still going on or has it gotten any better since the beginning? It's definitely better than in the beginning. I certainly don't communicate with her in any way um, other than when I'm kind of in the same place as her. Like we just had our, our my youngest stepson moving up from middle school the other night and, and she was there and we all sat in the same row and we're pleasant to each other and cordial, but it doesn't really go too much past that. Yeah, but that's okay because I feel like as long as the toxic behavior is not going on as much, as long as you guys are able to be at an event, you don't have to be best friends. You don't even have to talk, but you know, and, and Yes, it's unfortunate because it's really nice when you can conversate and when you can have a relationship, but we know that that's not possible for everybody. But if you can be in the same environment with the kids and not be at each other's throats and not be yelling and not be fighting, then that's sometimes all we can get to and that's okay. And I want to just point out for the listeners, you know, that that your biggest tip here was disengage. And I don't know how many people don't do that. It's a lot of people just can't because they don't have the discipline to just say, I am not going to react to this situation. I know that's what they want. I'm going to be quiet about this. It's really hard to do that, especially when you're under attack and, you know, people are saying things about you that are not true. That's happened to me too. You know, we've been accused of things and things have been said about us that are so 
far off from who we are and you want to react. You want to scream. You want to say that, how dare you say this stuff about me? And how dare you tell the kids this stuff about me? But at the end of the day, I really do believe, I've seen it with my own eyes, that the kids do realize on their own, you saw it with your stepdaughter. They do. They start to see on their own without you needing to say anything. And it's so much more pleasant for the kids. And as you, as you're the perfect example of when you don't engage, eventually things do get better. Not perfect, but better than they were. But if you keep right. fighting back, I mean, what is somebody going to do? If you keep fighting back, the other person's going to fight back and on and on we go. Exactly. So I'm glad that you guys figured that out. That's really, It was really, really hard in the beginning. It was really, really hard. My husband was much better at it than me. Not that I engaged, but I would be like, how are you not saying that? How are you that? You know, but he... He really was, it was a good role model for me in that sense, because it was very difficult in the beginning. And then it got, it got easier because when, once you just kind of like, oh, put the phone away, I'm not even thinking about that. Yeah. And I think it goes for even, even if you're not dealing with parental alienation, sometimes there's just little things that come up, things that people say to the kids or whatever. And I think it's just always best to ignore the things that we can ignore. And I know not everything can be ignored. There's sometimes there's some things that have to be addressed, but um, it's always better to just, because like I say, I say this all the time and I tell people this, it's none of my business what you think of me. And that's such an important quote that I keep in my back pocket because when you're first going on your journey and people are saying stuff about you, you want to react and you want to stand up for yourself. But really ultimately, if you know your truth and you know who you are, it doesn't really matter what other people are saying because they're going to say it no matter what. Exactly. And I've heard you say that on the podcast and I'm like, that's so true. It's so, so true. Because in, even in the beginning when it was really, really hard and really, really stressful and, you know, when she contacted my job and, and I was a teacher at the time and it was like, you can't do that. This is like my community where I, where I'm teaching, like, you can't go around saying things like that. And I had heard from someone else that a parent of students that I had stuck up for me. I reached out to her to thank her, like, because I felt so helpless. I felt like there was nothing I could do. And I just hoped that I had built a reputation in the community that people would know me better than that and that those things weren't true and know her for who she was and that obviously it wasn't true coming from the source. So, you know, I was happy to hear when a parent was like stuck up for me in that sense. And it really was very, very hard in the beginning. Yeah. And, and totally that when people see somebody going around causing the gossip and saying things, people usually do know people can spot that right away. Like that, that is a toxic person or that is a person that is trying to create drama. And, you know, I've, I run far away from those kind of people, but it used to bother me so bad in the beginning because I used to care so deeply, so deeply what everybody thought of me. If somebody was upset with me, I mean, it would put me in tears. And over the years, actually, Sean's really helped me with that because I used to be so sensitive and I still am, but I've learned to not let other people's opinions of me matter as much anymore. Um, And that's been very liberating actually. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So if you had to give anybody I guess uh, another family that's suffering with parental alienation and they're going through the trenches right now where you were at, what is your best piece of advice? I mean, besides not engaging, do you have any other good advice to leave the listeners with on that? I think know yourself, know your true self and who you really are. And when these things are being said about you or, you know, whatever the case may be, just know the truth and know yourself and that 
and, and trust in the fact that you have put that out there into the universe, into the, into people around you so that they know that that can't be true or whatever the case may be. And that you've already done the groundwork to build your reputation so that people can see the, the true self. Oh, that's a great answer. Now, I don't just want to talk about parental alienation because I know that you have so much else going on and you've got this big blended family and I know you're doing a lot of things right and well in your family. And I want to talk about those things too. Um, And I'm really pleased to see how you've handled the parental alienation, but let's talk a little bit about your relationship because I know know one of the things that... um, that you seem to be doing good is that the kids, didn't you say the kids are all getting along pretty well? They are. They, at first it was hard. Um, my girls and his kids were raised very differently. Um, I was a strict mom. I had rules and, um, made them follow them type of, type of, a upbringing. And they were a little freer, a little, it's okay, that's cool, you know, kind of a household. So it was a little bit of a culture shock for my girls, I think, when when we started to really blend everyone together. Um, you know, f- some foul language, things like that, that my kids were like very alien to. Yeah. And um, so that was a little bit of an adjustment. But I would say over, we're going in September, we'll be married three years, but it took a little time, you know, to get to that, to the marriage point. So the beginning part when we were just dating and together, um, you know, it just was kind of getting used to that and, and get them getting used to the rules at, at my house and which thank God my husband took on those rules. Cause that was always how he would have wanted to be, but it was, you know, he was the dad that worked a lot. So mom kind of set the groundwork in his household. So, ah. um, he kind of was up against a lot to get to his household to be the way he really wanted it. So thankfully we were on the same page in that sense. And, you know, it, it was a little bit of an adjustment for his kids when, when they were over, cause it was kind of a brand new, you know, way that you could be in, in a sense. And, so it was an adjustment for them at first, but they've definitely um, risen to the occasion for sure. And when they're here, there's never foul language anymore, you know, and, you know, if it is, it's, you know, 20 year olds talking and they, something slips, but it's not certainly the way it used to be in the very beginning. And, um, and it's, it's funny the other day, uh, I think it was like two weeks ago, they were over and they all happen to have one certain show in common. And they were all watching it and I walked in the house from work and they were all here before me and every kid was sitting on the couch, the love seat or on the floor watching this show and talking about it. And did you see this episode? Did you see that episode? I like this one. And I just, I walked into the kitchen. I said to my husband, like, my heart is happy right now. What a great thing to see, you know, knowing the journey we've been on and seeing where we are now is just, it's so great. You know, are they out? hanging out together? Not really, but they're different kids. They were raised differently. They, you know, not a whole, yeah. whole lot in common, but when they are together, they're cordial and they get along and they do certain things together. And, and, and it's nice. It's really nice. That is a beautiful thing. I know. I feel the same way when I see my kids getting along, any of them. I'm always like, if I see them hugging or something, I'm like, oh, look. And I take a picture. I'm like, that's so beautiful. (laughs) They're like, mom, stop. (laughs) No, it really is. It really, really is. Because, you know, I don't know what the future will hold as far as relationships for them. You know, they they didn't grow up together. They were all kind of older when him and I got together. So, 
it's, I think that's a challenge for them. You know, it's not like they were two and three years old and they can kind of build this relationship over time. It's kind of like they were forced into this relationship, but they found their common ground. And when they're together, they, that's where they are. I love that. What's the show that they all like? Curious. Um, Black Mirror, which I think is the weirdest show, but there was one with Miley Cyrus on it and that's the episode they were watching. You know, I've never heard of that show actually. Never heard of it. So I I thought you were going to say something else. (laughs) I got a lot of recommendations for it. I watched one episode. I was like, oh, I don't think I can watch this show, but they happen to like it. I'll I'll have to just check it out now because I'm curious. I've never heard of that. So that's interesting. Uh, We, our kids like a lot of um, stuff with music, you know, different kind of music shows. And uh, I've got some that are into American Horror Story, which I, I think is just, it's a little too much for me. It's a little, it's a little too disturbing, but we've got some crazies over here that like that kind of stuff. But I don't like scary. My youngest daughter doesn't like scary. So that's typically not on the menu and we try to keep it as clean as we can for our youngest stepson. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Because he's only 14, right? Right, right. Wow. So with all of those kids, you must have a very crazy household. What do you and your husband do to connect? Do you guys have time to get together alone ever? So, you know, it's so funny. We do. Um, we, we actually make it a point to do that because we'll find like, if we don't have one day a week, one day, every half week and a half that we just go to lunch or we just go somewhere sit by the river because we live by the river, you know, something like that, that we start to feel like things are starting to shake, you know, and I, I'll just look at him. I'm like, you know what? We have not had time, just you and I in a while. We need mm-hmm. that. We need to reconnect. Yeah. And, then, and your kids are a little bit older, so mm-hmm. you don't really, I mean, they, they can kind of be left to their own to a certain extent, right? You don't want the yeah. house to burn down, but you guys can like actually go out and do things together now. Yeah, definitely. Which has been really helpful. Yeah. You have to do it. If you don't, I mean, I don't know how your house is with like the revolving door, but over here, it's literally like, I don't think we've been alone in our house for more than 10 minutes in the last two to three years because we have, you know, mother-in-law living with us and then we have all the kids and they're always coming in and out. And our kids don't really go out a whole lot. They like to hang out here, which I like, but also... (laughs) Also, we're like, gosh, like, do you guys ever go out? Like, yeah. no, you know, we, we love, we love them here. Actually, I like it because I know that they're not getting into trouble and they're not doing anything crazy out there that I have to, I can actually sleep because I know that they're safe. But at the same time, yeah, we don't have any alone time. We have to leave to, to be alone. We have to get out of the house because it's not going to happen here. Right. Right. So that, but that's, that's just is what it is. You know, I know one day we'll miss it and one day we'll have a quiet house and we'll think, you know, we miss the noise. So. Right. Exactly. And that's, you know, it's like we, like we have some kids home from college right now, so it's not as quiet as it, as it could be sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, but then they're teenagers or young twenties. And so we're like, you know what, they sleep in on it, you know, on a Saturday, we'll sit out on the deck really quietly and just kind of chat for a couple minutes, you know, just in the night, which is nice to do too. I tell you what, eight kids, I don't know how you do it because we've got four and they're all like the third one just got her driver's license today. She had her driving test today and she passed. And so we've got one more that is getting ready for her test in, I guess it'll be October. But with all the four kids driving, I'm thinking cars and insurance and gas and all this stuff that they need. And 
I was just telling somebody else the other day, down here in Florida, you can't work until you're like 16. They don't really hire you at 14 and 15. You have to be extremely lucky to find something. And right. so we're in the position of trying to get all these kids on the road. What's that like for you? Is everybody driving? Is it crazy over there? It is a little bit. Um, luckily, you know, my girls grew up with the rule that if you have a car, you have a job. Right. And um, if you get a car and it has gas in it, that's great. But you can sit in the driveway and listen to the radio until you get a job to put more gas in it. Yes. <laughs> um, so that's been, um, you know, our steadfast rule for my three girls. And even with my youngest one, I'm like a little feeling bad. I'm like, maybe I should give her. I'm like, nope, I can't give her anything. She's got to get a job. You know, she's got to do it. Like, I can't break the rule now. Um, and then my husband's kids are, they're really hard workers. His, um, you know, they, they work a lot and they some go to school and while at school working. So they're, they're pretty good as far as that kind of stuff goes. Um, and they're used to like kind of looking for cars that they can afford and fix up and, you know, that kind of thing. So we've been a little bit lucky that way. A um, little bit of a hiccup right now just because my youngest daughter who's going into her second year of college and she's going for nursing and she needs a car for um, clinicals. And her car's a little bit unreliable, so we're yeah. a little bit worried about that. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's stressful. I'm telling you, trying to find them cars, and mm-hmm. and it's just. Ooh, I can't wait till yeah, I can't wait till that that aspect is done. It's stressful, but uh, the only other thing I really wanted to touch on before we get to our ending questions is I know that in our previous conversation, one of the things that you felt maybe that was a little bit challenging for you that you did, if you could go back, you would change was that you feel like you went a little too fast, um, starting off in the beginning. So just talk about that for a minute, why that was a challenge for you or why you think that people should maybe take a little bit more time. So I think with our unique situation, having had that past relationship, it was even, it definitely started as friends because, you know, we were going through the same thing, but it, but I knew that it could easily change because we already had that history. We already knew each other. We kind of skipped a lot of steps as if it was someone new that I met after Mm -hmm. a divorce. So I think that was hard on my girls. I think they needed more time to kind of absorb and deal with their emotions about the divorce where I, because my ex-husband chose to end the relationship I was feeling like I still have a chance to be happy. I still have a chance to have a life. And, you know, I really didn't want to, not that I would have lost the opportunity if I didn't, you know, if I had waited, that that definitely wouldn't have happened. But I think it was just easy for him and I to fall back into like relationship mode because we already had that connection. And, you know, it's, it, we had a very strong connection back then. So it was easy for us to kind of fall back into it. And I, I feel like that was hard on the kids and, and for his kids, I feel bad because of, of that whole parent alienation thing. I don't know that it would have changed a whole lot on their end, you know, with all that they, that they dealt with, but I do feel bad that they had to go through that. And I, I wonder if more time had passed, would that have been different? I don't know. I mean, I think it, because of your history, I almost think it would have been impossible to go very slow because you did, like you said, you already had that connection. You already been in a relationship. And so it's kind of natural to just kind of jump back into that. I understand about the kids. As far as the parental alienation though, I don't think that that would have made a difference. I mean, eventually if it took 
him five years to meet somebody new, it probably would have happened anyway, because that's usually what happens when the person meets somebody new. That's just the way, if somebody's going to act that way, they're going to act that way, whether it's immediate or whether it's down the pike usually. So, um, but I agree with that. And, and the kids they're, they're, you know, teenagers, the thing about them is they're, they're so self-centered and they really can't help it. It's just the way the teenage brain is, but they do really believe that it's their world and everybody's living in it. And so they're not generally going to be happy about anything. I mean, it it wouldn't matter how you did it. They might've found room to complain or to be upset about it. That's just how kids are. They feel like they're in control. Right. right. I don't know. I said to my husband the other day, I said, I don't know where the world changed, where the kids seem like they have the control over the parent or they're trying to get control over the households and over the parents. Because back in my day, there's no way that any of the things would fly that my kids try to do. Like my parents would have been like, no, yeah. (laughs) It's kind of crazy. All right. Well, I'm enjoying talking to you so much. Uh, We do need to get to our questions that I like to ask everybody that joins me for a co-host episode. Are you ready? I am. Yes. Okay. So question number one was, what is the thing you love most about your blended family? You know, this was the hardest one for me to answer. Um, I think for me, what I'm really the most proud of is our ability to keep trying. You know, it was so hard in the beginning. We've definitely gone through a lot of ups and downs and we're still here and we're still doing it and we still love each other and we're making it work. I love that. Question number two, what is the biggest challenge right now in your blended family? Right now, our biggest challenge is definitely financial. We have kids in college on both sides and that is a big, big juggle. We, my husband and I sit down and do our budget weekly and it's whose rent is due, who's, you know, to, uh, dorm is this and who needs that and whose tuition is this and who's taking care of that. And that's definitely our biggest, biggest struggle. I just had my middle daughter graduate in May and I'm like three more years on time after my youngest is out of college. It's, it's very challenging in a blended family. Yes, I bet. And that's why I got into the financial business, as you know, because that's what I see so much. I see so many, everybody's struggling with financials, everybody, but blended families struggle a little bit more because we have extra kids and we have all kinds of extra challenges thrown in. So that is really, really tough. So financials, okay. Uh, Number three, if you knew then what you know now, I think I might know the answer to this. What's one thing you would have done differently when you first blended? (laughs) It would definitely be to be have either waited or gone a little slower, which I agree with your statement before it would have been almost impossible for us, but because of the history, but I do, I think that's the one thing that him and I say sometimes, like, would it have been easier for them if we, if it was slower? Right. Uh, Number four, what is something you know you're doing right in your blended family? Something that you guys are proud of? So I'm, we're really proud of the fact that we are still here and that we are working really hard at our relationship, which isn't work for the two of us, but the blended family work. Um, And just the same connected, making sure as soon as either one of us feels something is starting to shake that we're like, you know what, that we need to go to lunch. We need to go sit out on the deck. We need to do something. We we haven't connected in a while and we need to do that. And as soon as we do it, we're like, oh, much better. Yeah. It's so important because the kids have a way of making you feel disconnected from your partner because once that real stress starts to come in and 
you know, every day is a new stress, a new drama. You just start to get tense. And then that always affects your relationship. And then especially if, you know, if it's the kids are fighting or whatever it might be, you naturally do feel you're pulling away and then you both get frustrated and, and tense. And the best thing to do is like you're saying, you just go and connect somewhere. I don't care if it's in bed at night before you go to sleep, just hold hands, just talk about your day, make sure that you're staying connected. You're so right about that. That's really important because as soon as you lose that connection, the relationship really starts to have problems. So absolutely. absolutely. Okay. And the last question, number five, if you had one piece of advice to offer the rest of the listeners today, what would it be? I would tell them to breathe and that they're not alone. It's hard. It's messy, but it's worth it. It's really worth it. You love your spouse. And that's the, in the end, that's what you have. The kids are always going to grow up. They're going to move on. They're going to have their own families. And then you'll be just the two of you again. So it's like, take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. That's a wonderful answer. And for the listeners, you know, this is Sandy is somebody that has a very large blended family. That's eight kids. And I know some of you out there do have eight kids. Some of you have far less, but this is somebody telling you with eight kids to hang on and that it does get better. And I really think that her advice is wonderful and that we all need to breathe and realize it's going to be okay. We just got to hang on. So thank you, Sandy, so much for joining me today. I loved talking to you and I'm so thankful that you are in our Facebook group. So for the listeners, if you want to connect with Sandy, if you live near her or you just want to, you like her story, you want to connect with her, I will tag her in this post. So look for the post for this show in the Facebook group and you can say hello to Sandy and thank you all so much for joining me. And thank you again, Sandy. We'll talk to you real soon. Thank you too. You have been listening to the Blended Family Podcast. For more information, please visit the website at blendedfamilypodcast.com. Remember, to create the peaceful home you desire, all you need is love.